0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Vicky Prattley, who went from practicing as an employment lawyer and founding partner of a law firm to working as a career management specialist and stress coach. In this episode, we discuss her background to date, her advice for lawyers and students struggling to manage stress, as well as some actionable tips you can take to best help combat it. Let's get into it. So, hi, Vicky. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Hi, Harry. It's great to... Well, virtually
0: see you <laughs> <laughs> so to virtually meet and I know that we've been uh, virtually discussing this one for a long time but it's great to finally have you here and to discuss something which I think is really important especially in given circumstances obviously with the coronavirus but I think just to the profession more generally which is sort of stress and mental well-being um, and how you can kind of go about managing it and, and keeping a sort of healthy attitude and mindset to um, the stresses of not just law which I know is stressful enough but I guess daily life more more generally right <laughs>
2: absolutely
1: I think you've you've hit the nail on the head personally perfectly there straight away actually Harry I think with the the legal profession it's incredibly stressful anyway um, but yeah with what's going on in light of the coronavirus it's just magnifying all these things that we need to be conscious of anyway in our busy professions
0: no absolutely um, and I think it's it's kind of not discriminating either. It's everyone from students to working parents to um, partners all the way down to trainee level. Um, Absolutely. So it's going to be a kind of really good, insightful episode, I think, to, to anyone who's listening. Um, but before we get too much into the stress side of things, um, a nice kind of icebreaker question I like to ask people when they come on the show um, is about why you want, originally wanted to join or work within the legal profession in the first place. And, and for those who haven't met you, your sort of background today.
1: Yeah. Well, um, the honest answer is once I was in London with my dad and mm-hmm. I remember seeing everybody in suits and thinking, hmm, I want to be somebody in a suit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, then,
1: and then finding out that uh, uh, solicitors got paid £80 an hour. Now mm-hmm. we're going back quite a few years here, but yeah, £80 an hour seemed a lot at the time. But then obviously you find out once you join a law firm that it's not you that gets paid the charge chargeable hours, <laughs> it's the firm that does. Um, so, so yeah, that that was kind of where law um, it, it it sort of intrigued me as a as a very young girl. But um, mm-hmm. I, it was law or journalism that I was always interested in. And mm-hmm. when I was at school, I got to do some work experience in um, with some lawyers. So that was where my focus then went, and I grew my passion for for law. So I'm a bit of a geek, but yes, I've <laughs> I've always wanted, or I had always wanted to be in the law. Uh, and and that what drove me, but I think the serious answer really was was the 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 want to help people, um, mm. and that's really what what attracted me to the law.
0: That's interesting. And when it came to that decision between journalism and law, because I know I had quite a few friends at university who were kind of toying up between either going down mm. the law route or something else. What was it that was kind of going in your mind that kind of pushed you in one direction over another?
1: Well, I think the main the main thing was the work experience. Had yeah. that work experience been with journalists, it probably would have pushed me that way. But um, <laughs> but but uh, the, the fickle mind of a teenager. Um, but uh, I I think the seriousness was that I always thought if I went into law, I could then always transition into journalism and um, mm. through legal writing and uh, and, and whatnot, where was to to create, you know, have a a, law in, uh, a career in journalism mm. w- would be harder to then move into law if I decided I wanted to. So it was all about keeping uh, as many options open. And in fact, I went further than that because then I didn't go to university and study law. I went to university and study psychology and social science. <laughs> so I definitely was keeping as many doors open as I could
0: absolutely and on that point i always find it really interesting that i think when they survey students going into a law degree the vast majority of them want to be barristers and kind of standing in court doing that stuff and then by the time they you know finish university half of them don't even practice law in the first place and kind of yeah. go off and do other things so um, you're absolutely right when you say it's a certainly an open kind of opportunity when it comes to your degree and, and applying it um and i guess that's a strange segue but I, I guess in any career um there's always the the the, the opportunity and, and the problem of managing stress and kind of Balancing work with life and kind of managing all of your commitments and avoiding things like burnout, um, which is why I wanted to talk to you today, um, because that's kind of the career path you've gone down, right? You've kind of gone down this sort of stress management, um, yeah, coaching, coaching career.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting how I went into into the law, um, mm. did many years practicing as an employment lawyer, was very passionate about workplace wellbeing, and. Mm. Um, but then I was the one that learned the hard way uh, and I ran 100 miles in an hour into the brick wall, the metaphorical brick wall, uh, yeah. and I, I was the one that burned out. So it was quite interesting how I was very aware of it because of my psychology background, because of working with a lot of businesses to create healthy environments for their workforce. I yeah. was the one that then ignored all my own advice and everything that I learned and, and ran into, the, into burnout. So it just shows how easy it is to do. I think, especially as lawyers, we have incredibly high expectations of ourselves and those around us, our our jobs. So from from when we're students, the technical side of of the law is incredibly challenging in itself, um, which we have our first taste of when we're students and then going into workplaces, they're they're very demanding places and it's hugely enjoyable. and, And many of us thrive in that environment. But keeping ourselves safe um, and looking after our, our, or managing our stress levels um, is absolutely key for us to have that awareness. Um, After all, there's nobody else that's going to look after us in the same way that we're going to look after ourselves.
0: No, absolutely. That's such a great point. And I think um, it echoes the fact that, you know, a lot of what we'll probably talk about today could apply to a lot of different professions. Um, but I think the legal industry in particular has got, got a bit of a problem when it comes to, um, you know, mental well-being and stress and, and at least its perception within the industry and there's sort a of stigma around it. Um, I wrote an article a little while ago on, on mental well-being in the industry. And when I was doing my research, I, I saw some sort of shocking figures that at least a third of all lawyers are suffering with some kind of alcohol or drug dependency problem, um, you know, within the profession. And, you know, it's it's higher than we kind of perceive in the workplace.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, one of my first lectures, um, I can't remember if it was my CPE or my LPC, but one of the first lectures, um, I can't remember specifically the stats, but the lecturer stood at the front of the hall and said how many of us would end up as alcoholics. So Mm. even back then, all those years ago when I was uh, starting out in my legal career, um, it was known how high alcoholism, alcoholism rates are. Mm -hmm. Um, and what's refreshing now is that the Junior Lawyers Division uh, are now putting together the annual Resilience and Wellbeing report, so Mm -hmm. we're seeing um, year on year, it's shocking statistics that that they're flushing out, but we're now seeing them um, coupled with that and taking it away from the legal profession the World Health Organization I mean only last year but at least it was last year, they have now uh, classified um, burnout they've added it to their international classification of diseases mm-hmm. so it's it is there it does exist and particularly in the legal profession we're very susceptible uh, and vulnerable to it because of our personality types mm-hmm. the the pressure in our roles and the expectations on ourselves and um, of others so now with having the the junior lawyers division statistics um what's positive about that And what's positive about the World Health Organization categorizing uh, burnout is that we can do something about it. And we absolutely can, because it is all about successfully managing workplace stress.
0: Absolutely. And I think we're starting to see, as you say, those kind of baby steps towards um, recognition of the problem and address of the problem when it comes to you know things like the um, the workplace mindfulness charter um, that some law firms have signed. Um, yeah. But I guess one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you today was because I think um, ultimately, you know, one of the quickest and best ways to, to deal with stress and kind of, um, you know, the realities of working in the profession is to, is to hopefully kind of address problems at that individual level, rather than kind of waiting for the industry as a whole to to make a collective change. Um, and I guess that's where you come in as, as a sort of stress management coach, really. So um, for people who um, perhaps haven't heard of the term of stress management before, um, or, you know, just, just didn't really know what it's all about, what what does it sort of involve, and, and what's your sort of general go-to advice that you could try to give people when you're creating resources and stuff?
1: Yeah, um, so stress is one of these funny anomalies because actually we we need stress in our lives. Mm. Um, so management isn't just about keeping our stress levels down; it's also keeping our stress levels at, at high uh, mm-hmm. uh, up as well. Um, so this is the difference between rust out, which is when we don't have enough stress in our lives, and burnout when we have the the, the unsustainable, too high levels of stress. And what we want is the happy medium mm-hmm. now as we've already just acknowledged in this conversation harry um with lawyers it's it we don't tend to not have uh, an issue with the low levels of stress and not having enough stress in our lives mm-hmm. um but rust out is as equally painful and awful mm-hmm. mental health issue as as burnout Um, And we always want to be aware of that side of the coin, too. So if we think of stress as this sort of bell-shaped curve, we want to try to, as as often as possible, get into the medium of that. Mm -hmm. Now, on occasion, there are going to be situations like leading up to exams, like when you've got a big matter on at work, um, and when we are going to tip over into the higher stress. But what we want to do is quickly bring that down into that mid-range Mm-hmm. Now, what the trap I tended to fall into is I would push hard for a particular matter, but that would then become my new normal. Mm. So then when I had more more on my plate, I'd have to push hard again, and then that would become my new normal. Mm. So I was always pushing up this barrier um, higher and higher um, until it became unsustainable. And that's where I fell into to the, the burnout because it was too too much stress for too long and that's and that's what was unsustainable
0: Mm -hmm. and i'm guessing everyone's kind of bell-shaped curve looks and is different in some way or would you say that there's kind of an average or a standard kind of uh, goalpost sort of range that people should try to aim aim for
1: yeah, no, it's, it's always going to vary, but, but, um, yeah, I think from all the scientific research that that is the general shape that we find. But yes, everybody where their center point is, is going to be different because we're all different. Um, and it will all depend on the different things going on in your life. And it's looking at you, your life, um, holistically and mm. not just about work. There might be things that's going on when you're studying or at work that normally you'd be able to take in your stride, but you might then have something in your personal life which is pushing you higher into the stress zone um, and therefore you need to balance the other bits. And this is kind of where that idea of the the, the balance (laughs) Mm. comes from, really.
0: Sure. So just speaking to that idea of balance then, um, let's take one of those extremes as an example. So um, being too stressed and kind of coming close to that burnout range, like we said. Um, For example, you gave a great... um, Example with students and coming up to close to exams. Um, What's some of the best ways that um, you know people who feel or perhaps don't even recognise that they're coming close to that kind of burnout stage can um, hopefully reduce their stress levels um, to a more manageable region that that they can still stay productive and still still do what they need to do on a day to day basis.
1: Yeah. So so the key is is that we don't just react at the time. The mm-hmm. the we're going to create much safer. Um, healthy and sustainable environments for ourselves and manage our stress ourselves much better if we if we um, take steps early um, mm-hmm. and not just when we're in the midst of an exam or in the uh, season or in the midst of a, a heavy case at work. Um, so that that's key. When we invest in ourselves when and in our mental health, when we're thriving, we're going to get a much bigger return on our investment into ourselves. So embedding some... Um, healthy habits along the way is, is good, always going to be much more effective than just putting them in place. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, we, whenever we put something in place, we're all, it's always going to help. So never, ever think, oh, no, I've got an exam tomorrow. It's too late to help myself. No, absolutely take steps straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I often talk to people, like, I have my seven top tips. And my number one top tip always is sleep. Sleep is such a fundamental part of our lives um, and it's something that we uh, culturally and particularly in the profession uh, often underestimate the power and, of sleep and our need for sleep. Yeah. Um, scientifically now we're getting much more research on why we sleep and the need for sleep and the eight hour opportun- uh, window of opportunity to sleep is absolutely key. So, again, this falls into the averages of Mm. of the eight-hour window, but generally, as human beings, it's about eight hours a night that we need to function uh, properly. So, getting sleep pattern in place is absolutely key. And it's really hard. I have always been terrible um, with getting my sleep and prioritizing my sleep, and the world of law can really go against Mm -hmm. that because it can be difficult if you're working long hours on busy cases if you're then going out networking socializing trying to have a life with your friends as well mm-hmm. sleep can get more and more and more and more reduced and is the sort of balancing figure of the day if you like where we just mm. sandwich that in what we, what we want to do is turn our mindsets around and prioritize sleep first and then we build our day um and our priorities around that instead so getting in place a sleep pattern um, is, is really key. And, and this is something I help people with adjusting their habits and creating these new habits yeah. around around sleep. Um, and the other couple just to, to throw in there, yeah. everything that we already know, but eat well, we need to be making sure we eat well, um, eating the nutritional food, backing off perhaps on the gluten and sugar and, yeah. uh, and really sustaining ourselves with, with a lot of nutrients um moving more for many many years the government have talked to us about our 10,000 steps a, a day mm-hmm. um but it doesn't have to be that just that as well it's also when you're sitting at your desk for for hours um i i've now created a really good habit for myself which i i really like i set an alarm for 25 minutes when it goes off sip of water quick stretch re reposition myself because we all like to end up getting hunched over our screens and mm-hmm. um, just having that stretch stand up stretch sit back down you're not breaking your concentration but you are just giving your body at that moment to to breathe and a sip of water so so moving more isn't just about our ten thousand steps our daily activities it can be small movements just as our desk um and of course promoting our mental fitness all mm-hmm. of this feeds into our me- mental fitness i'm sure um when you have a bad might sleep the next day you you know that you're not as mentally on it as other times so all mm-hmm. of this all combines um but particularly whilst we're all re- refined to our homes um looking after our mental fitness is, is really key I think headspace actually uh, I think they might have um haven't checked it but removed their fees at the moment so that's yes. such a great way um of of getting some some breathing space in your in your head being talked through it or of course it's the yoga the stretching going you know for your walk anything but it's just having that conscious investment into your mental fitness
0: No, absolutely. I did want to ask you about the the mental side of things as well, because um, you're absolutely right, those physical factors are really important. Um, I I personally use that 25-minute sort of strategy, the Pomodoro technique, to kind of break up the day and kind of keep that production going. Um, And if you stick to it and you're rigorous to yourself, um, you know, you can get really productive in the space of just two hours versus stretching out eight hours at the library, sitting around doing nothing. So um, from experience, the Pomodoro technique like that is a fantastic way to, to... To kind of boost not just your your stress management, but also your actual productivity as well when it comes to doing what you need to do.
1: Yeah, it's just making sure you don't run off and go and put the washing on or do anything (laughs) while you're working at home and getting distracted. It's not about that. It's staying focused at your desk, but yeah, just giving yourself that breath.
0: Absolutely. And then on the mental side of things, um, yeah, you mentioned a few things there, like going for a walk in Headspace. Um, and obviously, you mentioned that meditation. Um, are you are you a meditator yourself? Have you been doing it for a while?
1: I, I am. But again, it's something that I do struggle. So that's the thing. I think all of us have got to remember that we all know this advice, and it is mm-hmm. hard to get it in. And it is hard, even when we're, now I've been out of the profession for some time and working on mm-hmm. all of this stuff. It's still hard to anchor these in so the key is finding what works for you um and that's what's really key but yeah i mean tw- 20 minutes twice a day is the uh, prescription for, for, for most <laughs> of us to really get something and, and that is is challenging to to do that i think a lot of us find that so just starting small just a few minutes mm-hmm. a day and building that up it just that again having that few moments can really work wonders
0: and there was one more thing as well you want you said that I wanted to pick up on, um, which was the importance of habits. Um, mm. And I, I, I can't agree with you more. I think um, the number of conscious decisions we make every day versus the number of quote unquote automated ones that we simply yeah. make as a matter of routine, as a matter of just habit and so on, um, there's a huge stark difference. And I think it's only once you really try to commit to actually analysing what you do on a day-to-day basis and how your habits are playing a role in that, that you realise how much sort of control and um, influence they have over your sort of day-to-day productivity.
1: Absolutely. And the thing is, we we often develop habits to help us at certain times in our lives. So Mm -hmm. it's remembering to go back to them and say, is this still serving me? It may have Mm -hmm. served me at a point in my life, but is it still serving me now? No, okay, let's change those habits. And it's hard to change habits, but the exciting thing is habits can be changed. Mm -hmm. And and that's what, as soon as we start to put our conscious attention there, then we can start looking at it and unravelling some of our habits and putting in new ones.
0: So we talked this episode a bit about kind of um, what stress management involves and we kind of identified these two factors of too much and too little stress Um, and it was that latter concept um, that was really intriguing me as I was listening to you because I think it's a message that's really not kind of um, talked about a lot when it comes to the kind of most common conceptions as to what stress and mental well-being is all about, really. So, um, you know, obviously, as we record, people are self-isolating at home. They've had their routines disrupted. um, And for people who have potentially been furloughed or have seen their workload reduce, um, there's the element of there being a sort of missing gap their lives um, that, that where you can get sort of healthy levels of stress from um, when it comes to completing their work. So, um, could you just speak more to the idea of kind of being under stress, like you said, um, and kind of the dangers of that and how to how to cope with it?
1: Yeah. So, I think rust out is even less spoken about than than burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I wasn't diagnosed with this, but I think when I was in my recovery from burnout. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the advice was rest, you know, watch some TV, just chill out, just rest your body. And Mm -hmm. actually, I think I then shot into rust out. Mm -hmm. So I was then having to be treated um, for both at the same time, which was challenging. Mm -hmm. So what we don't want to be doing, and it's so tempting whilst we're all confined to home, is just sitting in front of the telly for hours and hours on end.
2: Mm -hmm. We're going
1: to get lethargic. And I'm sure all of us at some point can think when we've done this to ourselves, just on a on a day so not when it's affected our mental health in a in a prolonged way but just say on a saturday when you may just start watching telly and then you can't be bothered to even go and make your lunch you know it's that kind of yeah. feeling and when we do that over time and um, that that can then be um really detrimental to our mental fitness so in the in this time while we are working from home putting um in in place some routines and boundaries giving ourselves some challenges is, is really important so that we don't then slide into uh, the rust out. Some people are still working from home, so mm-hmm. are still very challenged. But yes, many, many people, especially the more juniors in, in the legal profession, um, mm-hmm. a lot of them have been furloughed. So yeah, really creating some challenge for ourselves is really important. So it's just becoming aware and creating some routine in your day, whatever works for you to to challenge you. It may be eating up a million books um <laughs> and really keeping your your mental health going in that way. Um but it yeah, it's it's being aware that actually it can be just as detrimental um to our mental health to to slip into that not enough challenge.
0: Mm. I think since the lockdown has been enforced, Amazon have sold out of podcast mics. So people have been, (laughs) you know, using this as an opportunity to try something creative, like start a website, start a blog, start a business or whatever, um, which I think is sort of really in line with with what you talked about there.
1: And another really good way of, of using your time is to think about what your vision is. For your mm-hmm. future um, again this is a great way to keep you busy now but also when we do when the world all does start getting moving again um is to really know your vision this mm-hmm. was something that i definitely think contributed to, to my burnout was not really knowing what it was i was creating for my career from my career and from my life so really taking that time to know your vision is really important mm-hmm. so it's it's gaining some self-awareness. What really motivates you? What is it that you want to get out of your your uh, career? It's just not going to be synonymous to have e- be able to have the whole package mm. um, at 100 miles an hour. There, there will be, if you really want the type of career where you're traveling a lot, um, then that is going to impact on your home life. So it's really taking this time to think, what is my long-term vision? And then start creating some steps Maybe you can't start taking those steps um, in a large way right now, but there's going to be mm-hmm. plenty of smaller steps, and and having a plan B, Harry, is is really key. So it's mm-hmm. wonderful where people are and, and and yourself, where it's not just about the technical law, and actually you're looking at the profession in a bigger way and how you can be supporting people and having that different um, a few different opportunities, um, is great. So it's not having too much on your plate that again you get overstressed. Mm. when, when everything kicks back off again, that, that having those options is, is really important. Mm.
0: And you mentioned something there about sharing a vision and I just kind of wanted to share my experience of that. Um, so I kind of gave that writing exercise ago it was called the um, Future Authoring Programme it it was sort of designed by a psychologist called Jordan Peterson um, and I completed it in sort of 2019 and that it was talking exactly on the points that you just mentioned so spending um, you know five minutes writing about what your ideal future would look like if you could design it across all the different elements of your life you know your your family your friends career and so on and then spending five minutes of the complete antithesis of that if you allowed all of your sort of negative habits and um, drawbacks to manifest themselves and overrule you Um, and then simply just devising a plan to um, move towards that first goal rather than the latter. Um, yeah. and it's amazing how just spending 20 minutes writing down what your vision might look like and, and how you want to go about it can, can translate into the short-term motivation you need to to build your habits and build your routine, which then obviously builds into the longer-term success of actually achieving them.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you've hit the nail on the head there. And and that's <laughs> a way that I do work with, with clients as well. Mm. And it's hard. Again, I think a lot of us want to sit down or we just think we know where we're going, particularly yeah. in, in law firms, because I think a lot of us just assume we want to become partner, yeah. but how many people, when they actually become partner, then for, uh, you know leave the profession because it's not what they expected. Um, so even just thinking, well, is it partnership that you want? And if yeah. it is partnership, what does that look like? Because partnership in so many different firms brings completely different experiences. So what type of partnership are you looking for and taking Mm. that time? And yeah, you're right. The flip side of the coin, knowing what it is you don't want is hugely Mm. important.
0: And then finally, this episode, I wanted to quickly ask you your thoughts and sort of actual advice um, for what I would call at least two categories of student that I used to see a lot of. um, Obviously, people didn't fit into these two all the time and there was kind of a big grey area in between, but um, students who were overly perfectionist and who were, you know, committed to trying to ensure their work was of the highest quality, that it was actually to their detriment. Um, And then on the other side, um, the kind of procrastination side of things. So where students were, um, you know, potentially in that rust out phase, like you mentioned, and sort of struggling to find that motivation. So um, in my experience, at least a lot of friends and, and people I were close to were sort of fitting into one of those two categories. Um, what's your sort of advice and actionable sort of tips people could take um, for, for both of those when it comes to um, their work?
1: I mean, a huge part of it is, is knowing yourself. So it follows on actually from that visioning point mm-hmm. is, is knowing yourself in knowing what it is that, that motivates you. Um, how many people actually know when you say to them, what is it that motivates you, can answer that question. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge question to ask. And in this time where some people have got time in their hands to, to reflect what it is that motivates you. Um, but yes, you're, you're right. And I, But I don't even think that two sides of the coin is um, perfectionism and procrastination. I'm mm-hmm. very much a perfectionist and I will <laughs>
2: procrastinate <laughs> as well.
1: Um, so and sometimes procrastination is just actually sitting and thinking um, and not necessarily but 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 understanding yourself understanding all of these things so what are your your biggest time wasting habits what mm. what is it when you're procrastinating and asking yourself well am i procrastinating because these are just my time wasting what's behind that is it because you're lacking in confidence? Is it because it's just something that's not motivating to you? You know, what's behind there? Um, And and this all then feeds into when you are in the workplace and being able to control your own workload, being able to control and have some control over your environment, understanding yourself in these ways. Um, But but yes, absolutely. I think there's the, the people that you just described that you observed, and that doesn't just go away once you've got your qualification um Mm. they are the the bits that stay with you forever so it is understanding what's going on behind all of that so that's where things like coaching where i work with clients it can really help us to dig under those and really Mm -hmm. uncover what's going on and using techniques um to get us motivated um, because there are we're always going to have parts of our lives, parts of our um, legal career that we don't enjoy as much as other parts. So mm-hmm. understanding what motivates us so that on the on the bits that so for example, expenses, I hate doing expenses, um, mm-hmm. but I have to do expenses. so it's what actually in me can I trigger myself to get me motivated to do those kind of tasks that I don't enjoy so much. Um, mm-hmm. So it's growing that self-awareness is is really important. And shining that torch on it, it it takes you a huge amount forward to knowing yourself and, and being able to then put in place new coping strategies around that that do serve you rather than old ones that we perhaps rely on that don't anymore.
0: Absolutely. And that's a fantastic message, I think, to, to conclude on and to share with people. And, and I've certainly learned something today listening to you, and I'm sure that um, the listeners have as well. Um, for people who want to sort of learn more about yourself, um, where can they go to um, you know, read all of your content and access all, all your resources?
1: Yeah, so my website um, is www.skylark.life. So that's mm-hmm. L-I-F-E, life. Mm-hmm. Um, and on there, there is the advice hub. So that's where I post blogs. Um, as part of the stressless clinic and people are able just to email me so they can do that as well through the website or Vicky at Skylar, uh, dot life. Um, it, it, it and you can submit your it, it, unhyphens your problems or the situations mm-hmm. that you're experiencing um, and I will put that into a blog so anonymized but to benefit yourself and other people so, so that access can come through the uh, website as well.
0: Absolutely fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming on today, Vicky, and for sharing all of your insights. It was um, really insightful to chat with you. You're more
1: than welcome, Harry. Thanks for inviting me along.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the More From Law podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to support the show, please share it with your network and leave a review on the iTunes store. It's really appreciated. If you want to stay up to date on the show, follow and subscribe to the More From Law podcast on your podcast platform of choice, or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at the profile harryclarklaw. See you in the next episode.